0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hugan, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Last few days, we've been looking at the most fundamental truths of the church, and it seems that it is always in the fundamentals that we make our first mistakes. Um, in high school, my wrestling coach uh, regularly preached to us the acrostic kiss. You're a coach, have you ever used this acrostic with your kids? Yes. Keep it simple, stupid?
1: Yeah, but we try not to call our athletes stupid.
0: Do you, <laughs> do you use a different S word?
1: Keep it simple, silly.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a Ned flanders man. Hey, whatever. <laughs> Okay, well, maybe just. Re- I believe
1: in George Bush, maybe, kinder, gentler American. Maybe wrestlers
0: are just tougher than track track stars. So. No, no. Anyway, the point is, is that our uh, wrestling coach wanted us to focus on the basics. Uh, you win matches not by doing the most spectacular moves, but by rather executing the most basic moves well. Likewise, the beloved Church of Christ needs to remember the m- basic fundamentals of the church. The world is constantly telling us that we need the bells and the whistles, we need the fog machines, we need the light shows, we need the lattes, we need the theater seating and the flashy sign out front and a billion other things in order to have a successful church. (laughs) You were going to say something. (laughs) I was. I showed self-control. That's amazing. Uh,
2: Well, my church just spent $1,000 on a fog machine. Are you saying we ought to take it back? That darn thing was expensive. We need to have a talk yeah. after the show
0: today. <laughs> um, but to, to think like that uh, betrays the very purpose of the church, which is to display the glory of God. Um, so he, he, here's, the, here's the issue today. Um, not all churches are aiming at that, at displaying the glory of God. So the question is, is what should we be looking for if we're looking for a local church to call our home? What is the most essential mark of a local church without which it could not be considered a church at all?
1: The book of, of Galatians is really about um, a church that was was struggling um, in a lot of significant ways. But I think if you just stripped away everything and just said, well, what was the fundamental issue? The fundamental issue is the gospel had been lost. And in essence, Paul is saying throughout, the gospel is essential. And if anybody comes and tries to do anything other than preach the gospel faithfully, mm-hmm. let them be anathema. I mean, that that is where the church has to center, is on the preaching of um, the gospel with all Purity and power and and precision, um, and so to me, it's that what's central is the preached word, and that preached word has to be about the gospel, about the good news of Jesus Christ.
2: Hmm. Yeah, you know the uh, the reformers, and, and of course in the 16th century, and of course because they were seeking to reform the church according to the word of God, you know, Calvin, Luther, Zwingli. Um, and all the rest. Um, one of the things that they wrestled with is what makes a true church. What What are the marks that we should we should look for? And maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead. No. Ahead, but Here, that's
0: exactly where we're going. The, 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 first,
2: the first one is the true church is present where the word of God is preached and heard. Yes. And they they went on from that, and well, I'll I'll hold up. The the next ones, but um, is and, and and just using the Bible a lot does not mean that the Word of God is being preached. Mm-hmm. You can go into a, you can go into somebody and and you can hear a teacher preacher who will use tons of Bible and yet not proclaim the central message. You know, Paul put it in a nutshell to the Corinthians. I, I came among you determined to know nothing, to to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That uh, the the Word of God, when truly preached, um, as my homiletics uh, preaching professor said to me many many years ago. That was, gentlemen, you weren't even born yet. I don't think. Well, uh I was. Yeah, you. Yeah, you were. <laughs> Josh was a twinkle in his father's eye. <laughs> When, when my preaching professor said to me.
0: Was that Moses? To our, to our class. <laughs>
2: yeah, it was. Yeah, well, no, it was Joshua. I'm not that old. <laughs> um, the, that a Christian sermon, the, the cross of Jesus is at the heart of every Christian sermon. In other words, it's about what God has done for us. Um, the, the gospel is always what God has done for us in Christ, what God has done for us that we could not do for ourselves to deliver us from bondage to sin and death. And so that's, that's why uh, if, if, and there's, there's many ways for the preaching and the teaching of the church to become human-centered. Um, but is it human-centered or is it God and gospel-centered?
1: Our calling is to preach the Word, and to preach the Word is to preach Christ. And I think what happens so often in the church today, and you guys can jump in here, is that you have a minister get up there and read a a passage of Scripture. And because they've read a passage of Scripture, then the assumption is, well, they're preaching the Word. So they read the Word, and then they go on and speak about everything else under the sun, and they, in essence, give a nice little talk, a good speech, um, but it's not preaching the Word Mm It's really just that they read it, yeah, and right. then said whatever they wanted to say, yeah. That's,
0: that's well, I think I think that's the very thing that's assumed. I think that if a person walks into a church and they see somebody who stand behind the pulpit with their Bible open, oh, that's preaching. So I check mark that box, and now I'm starting to look for those other secondary things right. that um, I want. For my preferences, but but I always tell people, hey, you know, if you're looking for a church, go listen several times first before you make a decision, because just because someone's up front with their Bible open, that does not meet the requirement of expositional preaching. Right. And expositional it, preaching is where the the main point of the message is the main point of the text.
2: Yes, and
0: or vice versa, the main what, point of the text sure. is the the main point of the message.
2: And of course, today one one advantage that you have when you're looking for a church home. Uh, an advantage that church church seekers have today. Is, I thought is you the, were going to say internet. church shoppers there yeah, for a I moment. Almost, I oh, almost boy, said it. Boy, yeah, boy, boy. boy. Yeah, I, I almost said it, and then I started to gag. <laughs> um, but uh, you can look on the internet, and and you can uh, listen to listen to uh, exemplary preaching from from that congregation, <laughs> but. Very often, and I just want to, and I just want to expand on something Russ said a moment ago. That you know, somebody can get up there and read a text, and then launch off in any direction, and that's what I like to call springboard preaching. It's like the springboard at the swimming pool, where you you know you jump, you jump, you walk to the end of that board, and you bounce right off of right off the end of that board, and it launches you off into space and you do some pirouettes and backflips and whatnot before you land in the water. Uh, there's some unbiblical preaching that's a lot like that. The, the pastor can hit that text like a springboard and then will just launch off into his own thoughts and ideas, and but is not expositing the text. And that's where you, you need to, as, uh, every Christian needs to develop listening skills is this preacher continuing in his message to unpack this text for me? And is is the entire message anchored in the text? And that doesn't mean you don't make application. Of course, you do, because preaching is not just a Bible study. It, it's 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 not just here's here's what it meant. It's also here's what it means right now, mm-hmm. and here's how it applies in today's world, and. Um, so, but, but that also the part about apply. How here's how it applies in today's world. That also must be anchored directly in the text.
1: I mean, I think when you're dealing with expository preaching, it's it's hard to sometimes know. But I think the rule of thumb is you should you should work through and and say, okay, is the minister? Do I see his main points coming right out of the text? Mm-hmm. Um, do I see his examples, do I I hear him constantly referring back to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, aspects of the text? Um, is it helpful for me to have my Bible open when he's preaching? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, then I think you need to have some serious questions mm-hmm. because there should be moments throughout the sermon where the pastor is saying, and you see this in verse t- 2, you see this in verse 7, Go back and look at verse 9, and and you can see that they're tethered to the word, mm-hmm. that they're trying not to make any points that are outside of what the text is, is making as a point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we believe in exegesis, that what we're saying flows out of the text instead of eisegesis where we impose something on the text. I can make any passage of scripture say what I want it to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The point of an expository preacher is that they are compelled to say what the text says, that they've wrestled with what the Word of God is saying so that they can communicate what the Word is
0: saying to their people. And that's a challenge every week, and this is how Jesus exercises his lordship over the church. As the preacher is sitting in this study, is he saying, well, I really want to go down this stream right here because this is my pet doctrine, or... Okay, well, this is what the word says. This is what I have to preach, and that's yes. exactly how Jesus exercises His lordship over the church.
1: Last week Sunday, I was preaching the passage in Acts about Ananias and Sapphira. Well, that's not a necessarily a, an enjoyable text to preach, right? Um, but it's a necessary text. It was necessary for me to hear in my study, yes, and then it's necessary for my people to hear in my in my ex preaching of that text. There's some hard truths, but they're truths. Yes, that's one of the advantages
2: of preaching through entire books is that then the preacher doesn't get to just select uh, or cherry pick. Um, yeah, and now I'm going to change the subject just a little, well, not change the subject, but take it a little bit different direction. Many, many years ago, and once again, I'm remembering back before the earth cooled, and uh, so you guys will just have to bear with it as the old guy reminisces here. Um, in 1976, I got to attend a— uh, well, Which was really- a
1: great year because that's when I started preschool.
2: <laughs> it was a good year. And uh, I was in college, and uh, I went to—I uh, I attended uh, a conference called Urbana, University uh, Christian Fellowship, every three years. Puts on a missions conference. One of the speakers that year was a hero of mine, uh, John Stott, uh, the wonderful uh, English uh, pastor, preacher, Bible expositor, and uh, who is now with the Lord. And uh, I, he held a seminar uh, as a part of that. He, he he was he was doing Bible teaching every day at the conference, but he also held a seminar where where people could go and ask him questions, and. Uh, At this Q&A session, somebody asked him, Dr. Stott, how do you prepare one of your messages? And he said, well, first I read the text, and then I read it again, and then I read it again. again, and 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 again, until that text is so much a part of me. Okay, no more no more British, fake British accent. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> he, I've, I've never forgotten that. And he was absolutely right on. That's how you prepare to preach. Yeah. Immerse yourself in the text until it just becomes a part of you. It's printed on your heart.
1: His book on homiletics, I think it's called Between Two Worlds, is priceless. Yeah. So if you ever want to read a text on homiletics, which I'm sure all of you want to do, Um, Between Two Worlds, John Stott's is Priceless.
0: Two other books. Uh, John Piper wrote a book this last year called Expository Exaltation, and then Joel Beakey wrote a book called Reformed Preaching. Both of those are really excellent books on preaching. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We will continue this discussion tomorrow.